hear ye, hear ye. My name is Ursula Sojas, and I'm here with Robin Sojas. I cannot explain the excitement that I'm feeling right now. Please do us some justice, Robin, and state your claim before the people. What are we going to talk about today? Ursula Sojas, I am so happy that the Society of Justice and Equality for the People of Sugarland. The acronym is SOGES. We are a nonprofit organization founded in the year 2020, and our organization is in place to raise the narrative on conflict leasing and to also communicate the contribution of African Americans in the development of the sugar industry. Our podcast is titled, Black Sugar, Not So Sweet. And so I want to start with this African proverb. Until the lion learns how to write, every story will glorify the hunter. This refers to the unknown part of the struggle, because as we know, a story is never complete until one hears from both sides. The one who has the dominant voice and or the authority is often heard and believed. The one of lesser prominence is often considered not credible or the loser. The hunter's story may not be 100% accurate as most people tend to slant their story to favor them. So the purpose of this podcast series which will be done in 13 parts the first one will focus on what is convict leasing and why was it worse than slavery who is soldiers and why are we here so i want to start in texas slavery and convict leasing was a labor system managed by terror the 13th Amendment in the Constitution abolished slavery, but it contained a loophole. That loophole stated, neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. This clause legalized a new form of human oppression called convict leasing in which many individuals were convicted of false crimes in order to become enslaved by forced convict labor. In Texas, these victims of racial oppression, they toil in various industries but most brutally in sugar cane fields for hours with little food, poor living conditions, whippings, and the strong likelihood of death within two years. Sugarland, Texas was known as the hellhole of the Brazos. According to Matthew J. Mancini, the author of One Dies, Get Another, which focused on convict leasing in the American South. 
He stated, convict leasing was one of the harshest, most exploitative labor systems in American history. Devastated by war, bewildered by peace, and unprepared to confront the problems of prison, ma prison management, Southern states, they sought to alleviate the need for cheap labor, a perceived rise in criminal behavior, and the bankruptcy of their state treasuries. Convict leasing across state lines bound the South together for more than half a century in reliance on an institution of almost unrelieved brutality. So, okay, that's a lot, Miss Robin, and you're going to hear me say that's a lot because this, this subject is so heavy and it's so deep on the surface level, it doesn't appear to have all these underlying issues until you start really researching and reading these books. Everything's hidden in these old historical books, and I really would like to commend you for taking the initiative to bring this stuff to light. Now, I know the subject of convict leasing is uh, is shunned upon because in the, in the European mind, some of them, when you hear about convict leasing, they'll say, oh, well, you know, they did something wrong. But according to some of the things that you said thus far, it appears that all the convicts may not have been guilty. So why do you say that convict leasing was worse than slavery? Thank you, Ursula Sojus, and my by justice writers. Convict leasing was worse than slavery because no one owned them. This was after the Civil War, after the 13th Amendment, and they were, for the most part, like a ward of the state. And they became a convict for things, minor things like walking on the wrong side of the street like being an orphan or being unemployed or being out past curfew, anything to imprison them as a convict so that the state could just lease them out. It was worse than slavery because if one died, they just ordered another one because as I stated, no one owned them and their worth was less than the cattle in the field. So you stated while we're having this podcast um, is to bring it to light, state the claim before the people. But who is so just? We are the Society of Justice and Equality for the People of Sugarland. We're a local 501c3 nonprofit community organization comprised of a diverse group of neighbors and residents of Fort Bend County. We are united in our dedication to the causes of social justice and equality. Now, since the historic and horrific discovery of the bodies of 95 African Americans, 94 men and one woman, these bodies were buried almost 100 plus years ago. But this discovery was made in 2018 as a result of the excavation of soil to build the James Reese Career and Technical Center in Sugarland. Believe it or not, it is only 
five minutes from where Art lived. And since that discovery, our community has not been the same. As a matter of fact, every single time I have to go food shopping, I drive right past the resting place of these 95 African Americans. And right now, there's no fountain there. There's no statue. For the most part, you don't even know that there's 95 African Americans in there. These were Americans. And for this to be going on the fifth year of the discovery is just unacceptable. This monumental discovery has become a, a necessary catalyst in propelling our community to bravely confront the dark truth about our local past of racial oppression and exploitation from slavery to convict leasing to segregation. Nationally, the 95 African-Americans are known as the Sugar Land 95. So Justice Travelers. My name again is Robin Sojus. I'm the president of the Society of Justice and Equality of, of, for the people of Sugar Land. And I've been here in Sugar Land since 1997. So what is that? Going over like 26 years. I relocated from the city of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, where the Declaration of Independence was signed. As a matter of fact, I used to work in the building that was located on the corner of Sixth and Market, directly across the street from where Independence Hall is located. So as you all know, Philadelphia is the city where the founding fathers gathered to write the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. So can you imagine, Ursula Sojus, to come from a big yet historical city like Philadelphia to a small unknown city like Sugarland, Texas, was very different for me. I relocated here because of a career opportunity. My background, I'm a chemical engineer, I graduated from Drexel University. When I came to Texas, I was a senior environmental engineer, worked in Deer Park. So you can imagine when I hear things like sugar manufacturing and refining, sugar is a chemical compound. The first thing I think about is the talent and the skill and the dedication of the people who had to take this particular chemical and turn it into an end product. Did you know anything about the history of Texas prior to coming here? Ursula Sojus, I had no idea. <laughs> and like I said, I've been here for over 26 years. My three children, they all graduated from Stephen F. F. Austin High School. I live in New Territory, and this land used to be a sugar plantation. New Territory is located right across from the prison. And so I seriously did not know that there was a dark past uh, here when I first moved here. As a matter of fact, the Char House, which is still located on Highway 90, I just remember at night, during the holidays, you could see the the lights, and it was in the sign of a cross. So I was always so happy <laughs> when I would ride past uh, the Char House. Little did I know, 
about this area and the presence of so much uh, like history that no one even talks about in the school system. And so that's why soldiers, we are bringing you this podcast because it's so important to know what the truth is. Justice travelers, the purpose of this podcast is to shed light on the fact that what we discovered as a result of reading Wikipedia and different websites and different books about convict leasing, you will see that it's rare that any of the African-Americans are talked about in a positive light. In reading so much information um, about Texas history, did you come across any positive contributions about African-Americans? No, I did not. My concern is that when you read the textbooks and other information, we're usually referred to as slaves or convicts and not referred to as the people who actually planted the sugar cane and cut the sugar cane and made the bricks for the buildings and actually built the railroads and anything regarding chemistry. And so we want to be able to tell our story so that people listening to this podcast will finally hear the truth about the African-Americans' contribution in building the sugar industry as well as the city of Sugarland, which is located in Fort Bend County, which is known as the fastest growing county in the United States. I must say that it baffles me just to understand that Sugarland, as diverse as it is, it's really, really diverse. At one point, it was the fastest growing county in the nation. Um, it is a proven fact that it's one of the wealthiest counties in the nation. And we now understand that that is from Sugar plantations and the wealth that was accumulated from that it's 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 devastating that this particular issue is not more known um it needs to be and it's not really to hurt anyone but like you say this podcast is here to educate and heal um and and i'm so proud and i'm very honored i can't say that enough to be here with you today um to share this light to the people Yes, Ursula Sojus. And to tell the truth, we just need to understand the history and know that it wasn't just Samuel Williams nor Stephen F. Austin, nor just the old 300. Also, what they're teaching in the Fort Ben ISD school district needs to be addressed as well. I just have to add this because my granddaughter is 10 years old. She's in the fifth grade. And a few weeks ago in October, she was given an assignment regarding uh, social studies in the 13 original colonies. And I tell you, it just really, really made me know what we're doing is right. Because when they talked about the southern colonies and who actually worked in the field planting the cotton and the tobacco and the sugar 
the answer was indentured servants and that they uh, was working to pay off a debt and that they were from other countries. That said nothing about slavery and it said nothing about the African-American people. And that I just was in shock. I'm like, what in the heck? How could you even give that information to a 10 year old that the African-American people had nothing to do with the building of not just the American South, but our country. So the purpose of this podcast, again, is to tell the truth from someone, me, a chemical engineer, who knows full well that sugar is a chemical compound and how it takes the skill, talent, and expertise to grow it. Because you got to understand its properties like a botanist would. Refine it like in a refinery operator. Process it like process engineers and operators do. Troubleshoot the equipment like mechanics and electricians. Build the mill and other buildings like that charhouse. Craftsmen, architects, carpentry, painters, roofers, plumbers, masonry. It's just truly amazing to understand that African-Americans can really do or did not can, but did really do all of that. Um, As an African-American woman, I have the direct understanding of how hard I've had to work in order to accumulate wealth, education and just basically a happy life here in America. I can only imagine at all the things as far as chemical engineering that my ancestors were doing back then um, and not reaping the blessings of that. that That's just hard to really process, but I'm, I am very happy to understand and to get to know that knowledge. It, it, it does something different inside of me. It's very inspiring, even though it's sad information to hear. And this definitely does need to be known. Yes, Ursula, so just thousands of African-American men and women used their hands, tools, brains, and talent to cultivate all the land throughout Fort Bend County, Brazoria, Galveston, Wharton, Colorado, Matagora, Liberty, Harris, Jackson, Victoria, Austin, Waller, Montgomery, Liberty, and so much more. Listen to this, Justice Travelers. In order to encourage the white settlers to even come here, which back then was owned by Mexico, Stephen F. Austin enticed them by giving them 50 acres for free for every one African-American they brought with them. So by 1825, there were 443 African-Americans here. A few were already free when they arrived, they worked this land and they built the railroads, stores, mills, gin, refinery, houses, and so much more and received zero credit and zero compensation. So what happened after the Civil War ended in 1865 and the free labor went away? What happened to all those plantations that existed? Good question, Ursula Sojus. The plantation started failing and the crops were in disarray. However, as I stated in the beginning of the podcast, there was this loophole in the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. So this was an evil way for greedy men to take advantage of that loophole. Because as I stated, it said that slavery was over except as a punishment for a crime. 
So they basically created what they call black laws. And those black laws were, like I stated, if you was an orphan, unemployed, the wrong side of the street, you may have maybe taken something that was worth like $20 and then they gave you like five years hard labor out in the the field and sugarland in the heat with little food and no shoes. And like I said, died within uh, two years. It was the worst as to why, you know, it was known as the hellhole of the Brazos. So I tell you, it's just, it's so sad to even now even know about this part of Texas history. So when was the beginning of mass incarceration in Texas? That is an excellent question. After all this research, it happened on April 29th, 1871, when the state of Texas agreed and awarded the company Ward Dewey of Galveston a 15-year lease of the prison's convicts in exchange for $325,000, which in 2009 dollars, $5.5 million dollars. They was given that lease. And the lease meant that they could take the African-American men. Of course, there were some whites and Mexicans as well. But they were not working out in the sugarcane field. It was the, they may have assigned them to other industries, but it was the African-Americans who had to work the field. And they did this for 15 years. And here... The prison uh, population of the whites versus uh, the blacks, 500% increase. So you mean to tell me that right after the Civil War, all of a sudden, we were the only ones, the main ones who were the criminals, 500%. And that is, to me, which was the beginning of mass incarceration between 1871 and 1880. The rate of black imprisonment shot up by 500% compared to only 60% for whites. Man, that that's, that's, uh, I can't believe that, but I mean, it is what it is. Um, this is hurtful yet educational and empowering at the same time. We cannot say that black men and women did not work hard. Uh, yes, they did. They worked very hard. Um, I, 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 I don't know what to say. <laughs> so between 1871 and 1880, you're saying that the rate of black imprisonment shot up by 500% compared to 60% for white. So this is a tribute to the need for resources that would be exported out. Yes, because it was all about the money. And as I stated, if one died, they just got another. They didn't own these people because this was after the Civil War. And so if for some reason somebody died out in the field, <laughs> they just put a work order in to get another. And I have to add that where I live in New Territory, they're actually honoring two of the men who at one time or another had every single convict in the entire state of texas edward cunningham and little barry ellis in new territory we have streets named after them and there's also 
uh, swimming pools named after them, and the park. It, it's just so sad to me. So Edward Cunningham, he was like kind of like the J.R. Ewing of Dallas back in the day. He had the big old plantation, and at one time he had 2,300 all of the convicts working for him. And if he didn't have a need for them, how about he subleased them out to other industries? And these people were tortured, and you wonder why they found 95 of them not too far from my house. Because this whole area was a sugar plantation. And when you read the story about these 95 people, some of them, their toes were cut off. One of them tried to escape. They cut off half of his leg and just let the blood just ooze right on out. And then he died because of, you know, the leg just cut the leg off. And th that's just the beginning of the torture about the people in this area who worked day and night out in that field and it was known as the great hum humanity shock sensibility and basically breaks down the barrier between civilized and savage men so justice travelers we're coming up to the end of this first podcast we're going to have a separate podcast on Edward Cunningham and little Barry Ellis because people need to know the whole story. So please, everything that I'm saying, just go to Wikipedia. You can see a lot of this for yourself. Do research. Stephen F. Austin and him giving 50 acres for every one African-American that these white settlers brought with them. Everything we have back by reference. And we encourage you to reach out to us if you want additional information. So, Justice Travelers, I'm going to end this podcast now. And encourage you to call in next time when we do our podcast number two. Which the title is, you got the 40 acres in the mule plus 10, but we got to work with your mule on your 40 acres for free. Thank you and God bless you. Thank you, uh, Robin Sojess, and thank you, Justice Travelers. We're going to become Justice Writers. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>